She didn't say anything back for a while, and she let herself be held. He closed his eyes and sighed. They sat together like that in peaceful quiet. And then, Katara let out a final grievance. Aang kissed me again, she said out of the blue. Oh? He asked with a start. She felt his arm stiffen as if he were about to jerk his arm away from her, but it was in the way she'd said it that he could tell this was just another thing that was bothering her. So, he asked. What do you mean, again? He did it before, she answered, trailing off. Before the invasion, on the day of Black Sun, just before the fighting started. And he did it again tonight. He said he thought we'd be together after that first kiss, and I told him I didn't know about that, and that we were at war, and I was confused, and he just kissed me like that's supposed to do anything, and I... Words caught in her throat. She didn't know how to finish that sentence. She leaned against him even more, comfortable and more content that she would allow herself to think about right then, and gestured as she spoke. With this predicament, there was more life in her as her voice was steady, though high, and this was an easier trespass to smooth over. In the back of his mind, Zuko remembered their own little fictional dalliance in the Crystal Catacombs. He remembered the blush on his cheeks and the shiver up his spine as he recalled the actors talking about their feelings he didn't quite want to acknowledge. But when their Zuko had called Katara the Avatar's girl, he remembered how the young Avatar had given a stiff nod to the line. At the time, he'd thought nothing of it. A minor detail, to which the airbender had promptly stormed out when the actors on stage shared an intimate embrace quite like the one they were in together now. He tried not to think about that too much right then, though he felt his heartbeat quicken at the realization that Katara was leaning against him and that this girl, this girl, his newly realized best friend, he was only just beginning to recognize that he liked, really liked, was in his embrace. He swallowed. Are... are you guys... Together? He asked, weary. No, she answered. But he wants us to be. Do you want to be with him? I... I... She started. She raised her head up to look at him, the question in her eyes before she spoke the words from her lips. He blinked at her as she said, I, I think I have to. I mean, he's the Avatar. He's the hero of the story. Isn't he supposed to get the girl he wants? That doesn't really sound very much like you. It's a little out of character, he said. Katara felt him shrug as she returned to her position of her head resting against his heart. He continued, And why should what he wants be the only thing that matters? He might be the Avatar, but it's your life. Has he even asked you about... about what you felt? About what you want? She tilted her head to the side and thought about that for a few seconds before she answered. No, actually. 
Zuko nodded. Just because he kissed you doesn't mean he gets to have you if that's not what you want from him. That's not how this works. You don't have to like someone just because they like you or because you think you might not have a choice because they're the Avatar or something. You don't owe him. Katara, you don't owe anyone. She offered him a small smile for that. Her first one since she'd finally let the anger wash out of her. There was freedom in this truth she shared, she found, and she felt free with him, her best friend, as she'd now admitted to both him and herself. She felt real and seen. I don't know if I like Aang that way, she started saying, quiet and thoughtful. The more I think about it, the more I just... He is like a brother to me. Someone I have to protect and take care of. But to tell you the truth, I'm not really that honest with Aang. I don't think I can be. I just feel like I always have to, I don't know, go easy on him. He's been through so much and he's got so much responsibility and I, I, I coddle him. I know that. I do. Toph tells me off about it all the time, but I can't help it. You're like his mom or his older sister the way you fuss about him. But I could see how he'd think that means something else from you, I guess. He's just a child. And we're only teenagers. But we're all different from each other. Your tribe struggled to keep itself alive, and you had to grow up much faster than he did. But he's just lost so much. So have you. So have I. He doesn't know any better. He hasn't known anything else. Monkey Yatso always took care of him and protected him. Who else would- You're not Monkey Yatso, though. And he can't be taken care of forever. It's not your job to do that. Being with someone shouldn't be a job in the first place. You should be with someone because... Because... Uh... He swallowed trying to find the right words. He had a point, he did, but the words seemed to have floated away from his head before he had the time to speak them. He trailed off, and his brows furrowed as he tried to think. Being with someone is... He tried again. She turned her head to face him, looking him in the eye, and he found that he could not look away from her even if he wanted to. And he didn't want to. He said, You're partners, on equal ground in mind and spirit, and you're together because... because you both want to be. At his last point, his mouth felt dry. He imagined that her eyes flitted to his parted lips then, and he held his breath. His chest grew tight, and he was certain that Katara could tell how his heartbeat felt different now. Too focused was he on his own reactions that he couldn't quite tell that she mirrored his reactions almost exactly. And she thought he would be able to see it. Eyes turned downcast. She spoke her thoughts out loud, not really thinking it through and just letting them flow. She said, when I imagine spending time with Aang, 
I see me trying to take care of him, or us sparring, or him trying to show off some new bending trick, or, or something. Something like that. There's always something. But it's... I don't ever see myself with him when it's quiet, you know? Or maybe not that. Maybe it's just living life from day to day, or when... When it's me who needs someone, it's... Katara looked at Zuko, and he looked at her, and they each held their breath in their lungs and felt as if they would combust from the inside out, him all liquid fire burning in his veins that begged for reprieve, her the whole ocean contained in flesh that pleaded for release. He swallowed and tried to look away, but when his gold eyes found blue again, he could not deny this. And he knew what he wanted to do and thought of doing, but didn't, considering the scene and what she'd just said. She looked up at him and licked her lips and looked at his. She fought to speak the words at the tip of her tongue, but when she looked up at him, there was only silence. They weren't idiots. They knew what this was, what was happening. Deny it in their hearts as they might try. But they were still only kids, with heartbeats too loud and too fast when everything had just been rage and then quiet just a few moments prior. They were all hesitation and impulsivity at the same time. There was too much. This wasn't the time for all of that so soon. She sighed and looked up at him when she said quietly, finally, as a warm flush rose to her cheeks. It's not Aang I'm looking for. Zuko edged away slightly, as did she, and he dropped his arm. He rested his palm atop the wood of the dock, his arm still just behind her, just no longer touching for he felt that his palms were beginning to sweat. He swallowed. She pressed her lips together and tried to ignore the creeping, crawling sensation at the back of her neck. When you kiss him, what do you feel? I haven't kissed him, she answered in a huff, crossing her arms against her chest. He kisses me. There's a difference. Okay, and what do you feel when he does that? I don't know. Confused? Weird, mostly. And have you ever, uh, kissed someone else? Uh... She trailed off. Memories of another war-beaten boy with wild hair and straw between his lips passed through her mind's eye but she shook it off just as quickly. But her eyes did go wide, and she avoided his gaze before she answered with a forced smile. Yes? And when you kissed that person, were you confused then? No, Katara answered immediately, clear as day. No, I... I wanted to kiss him then. Not now, though. He was a jerk, and... But... 
Doesn't matter now, he said. Not dismissive, but in a way that relieved her from having to finish that thought. She threw him a look, a raised brow and parted lips, as if she wanted to contest his interruption but didn't really want to. He continued, But that is the kind of person who you're supposed to kiss. What is that supposed to? People should kiss because they want to kiss each other, not because one of them feels like they have to do it, said Zuko, trying not to look at her, but his eyes were caught in her gravity. It's just kind of how it goes. Have you ever been kissed? She asked suddenly. He went red. Of course I've been kissed. I've kissed people. He exclaimed. Brows raised, it was a her turn to smirk, and his face fell. His hand gestures were stiff as he tried to backtrack. N not, not a lot of people, he tried. I'm not that kind of guy or anything. N not that there's anything wrong with, with kissing a lot of people, but I just... Uh, uh, no, I'm just saying... She laughed and grinned as she looked up at him. Shaking her head, she said, Spirits are at war, and we're talking about stuff like this and kissing. Zuko scoffed. <laughs> it's easier. This kind of stuff is what we have answers to. There's a right way to, uh, to, uh, see it through. It's the kind of stuff we should be talking about, but we don't always get that luxury. So we take what we can. These moments when we can just be normal teenagers, when we can take it. And we hang on to them while they last. She smiled at him and said, Thanks for coming to me so we could have this one. He returned the expression and licked his lips. You asked me what I think of you, and I asked you why it matters. He started, his eyelids feeling heavy. I said that because what I think about you, it shouldn't matter. He paused. Azula had these mentors, Lee and Lo. They took care of us while we were here a few months ago. And they said something to us and it didn't make sense until we talked to each other and realized they were right. They'd said... Like waves washing away the footprints on the sand, Ember Island gives everyone a clean slate. Ember Island reveals the true you. So those Ember Island players reveal the true me? She deadpanned. No. He tried, but she cut him off. Because that's really not what I want to hear right now. She went on. You once came to me and told me you didn't want what you wanted to hear, he said, firm in his way. He was trying to make a point. The exhaustion made him braver and less polished. Or perhaps that was just an excuse to say what he wanted. The moon and her eyes had a tendency to pull the truth from his heart. He continued, I can give you the words you think you want, but you can get that with other people. Empty comfort and things you've heard before and don't believe anymore, sure. 
But you looked for me that night because I'm honest with you. Right now, can I be honest with you or would you rather I go get someone else? I... She started. Katar held his uncompromising gaze and felt her heart constrict in her chest. She swallowed and relaxed her shoulders, nodding up at him. Yeah. I mean, yes, you can. Be honest with me. Sorry. I know it's bothering you. How they wrote you in that play. What other people think about you has been bothering you for a while. First, how Aang and Sokka think about you and how they think you're all perfect. Now this. And me. You've gone through so much and this... This is what bothers you? Why? I don't know. She answered, shrugging her shoulders. Her tone was quiet as she answered him, but it steadily rose and quickened as she got her point across. Throughout it all, Zuko remained patient and listened without interruption. I've always just been... I've always been someone's... something. I'm Sokka's little sister. I'm the chief's only daughter. I'm the Southern Water Tribe's last waterbender. I'm Aang's teacher, his friend, and he wants me to be his girlfriend. And how that play wrote me as this... this... Title, this weepy, pathetic girl, it, it made me wonder about what it is I am and what I want to be. Because even I don't know. They basically forgot about me at the end of the play, as if I don't do anything else after this war is over. And that made me think about, what am I going to be after this? I've never really thought about it before or talked about it. But even you think I'm just meant to go back to the Southern Water Tribe and help rebuild. And I will, and I want to, yes. But I don't know if I could stay there the whole rest of my life after all this. I don't know what it is I want. She concluded. With a sigh, she said. I don't know who I am. Katara leaned on him and he returned his hold of her with an arm slung around her shoulders. She exhaled again and let them stay like that for a while. When she kicked, she felt the water by her feet now as the tide started to rise. Sunrise would come soon, but for now, the moon shone brightly in the deepest, darkest of the night. Nobody can tell you what you want or who you are, Katara, he said finally. What I think, what Aang thinks, what anybody else thinks of you or of what you want, none of that matters. What you think for yourself about what you want and who you want to be, that's the only opinion that should matter. She smiled and made a small sound. A mix between an exhale and a laugh. Relief. He held her a bit tighter for that, and before he could stop himself or think about it, he pressed his nose to the top of her head and breathed her in. Barely. An affection that came naturally to him, though the very concept of it had been nearly foreign to him before. 
Only it hadn't been. He knew where this softer side of him had come from. I'm going to tell you something I think you need to hear. He said softly. The way he'd said it, so seriously and yet so gently, made her twist her head up to look at him. With a small smile, Zuko said, No matter how things may seem to change, never forget who you are. More words of wisdom from your uncle? She asked. From my mother, he said. Her eyes went wide again, mouth open. He added, On the day she left, I didn't think much of it at first. At the time, I thought it was a dream. Zuko, she said, touched that he would share something so close to him with her. For the longest time, I'd forgotten what she'd said, and I think that's part of the reason why I was so angry with myself. I'd forgotten who I was, just like how you're trying to figure it all out now. So, ask yourself, what is it that you want? Who do you want to be? Have you figured it out? She tossed back at him. Who you are? Me? He asked, incredulous. He dropped his arm from her, and they edged away from each other again. His hands atop his lap, he flexed his hand and rubbed his sweaty palms against the fabric of his trousers. Right now, I just know I'm someone who never gives up without a fight. He answered finally. What about you? What do you think? I'm... She started and yawned. She might have imagined the twinkle in his eyes when she did, as if he were endeared to her show of lethargy, as if he wasn't exhausted himself. Perhaps it was the impending rise of the sun in just about an hour now if she was right about the tides. Katara lost herself in the thought, and he added, Dig deep. Search your heart for what feels true. Who are you? I'm... She tried again, and closed her eyes this time. As he'd asked, she dug deep. She listened to the waves of the ocean, almost as if it was calling out to her. Katara thought of Yue, who'd become the moon spirit. She who always knew deep down that hers was a borrowed life and aptly returned it. Yue was a young woman who knew her duty and held herself to it above all else, for her people and for the world. Katara thought of her mother, brave Kaya, who'd stared a Fire Nation commander in the eye and lied to him to protect her, thinking she'd be captured and tortured as a prisoner and doing it anyway. Kaya's was a mother's duty, carried with a Southern Water Tribe woman's bravery. Katara thought of her grandmother, Kana, 
She who'd run away from everything and everyone she'd ever known for a new life. Any life that meant she could make her own choices and not be held to a patriarchal standard of what a woman should be. It had taken a lot of courage. She'd thought then, and she thought now. Katara thought of herself, and she tried to think of a moment in her short life that she thought and felt most defined her. The way the women she'd known had been defined by one moment in her memory. And she remembered the mark she'd earned from Bato that day when Sokka finally went ice dodging. She'd earned the mark of the brave, a crescent moon between her brows, for it was her courage that inspires. She thought of how, when she was a child and helpless, she turned her back and run from the sight that would be her mother's end. She thought of the ruthless, righteous rage she knew she was capable of. She knew of herself fighting to earn the right to learn and fight beside the others like her. She thought of her darkness and of her light, of her shame and of her pride, of her fear and of her courage. When she thought of a single moment in time to condense it all, one scene that encapsulated everything she knew about herself, it wasn't the cold that came to mind, but a little Fire Nation fishing village filled with sick and starving and dying. Katara thought of the soldiers that threatened them and hurt them and not once did she think that those were not her people or her responsibility. They were people who needed her to help them, heal them, and save them. And while afraid, she'd stayed anyway. If not her, who? She'd thought then. If not now, when? And she knew her answer to Zuko's question. I will never ever turn my back on people who need me. She said, somber, as the realization made to rest easy on her bones, the truth wrapping around her like a comforting fur quilt. Zuko smiled. Feels good, doesn't it? Does, she said with a nod, grinning up at him. And just so you know, I think you're incredible. You're so brave that it can make you a bit bullheaded and careless sometimes. But you're still also the kindest person I've ever known. And you're hardworking and smart and nurturing and funny and so forgiving and a little bossy that it gets kind of annoying sometimes, sure. And... Agni, you're one of the most gifted benders I've ever fought, and it's terrifying how good you are, and how good you've gotten since I've met you, and how ruthless you could be, but how merciful you choose to be. You're, you're ambitious and clever, and you never ever give up, and I respect that about you. I admire you a lot, Katara. You've never been less than a force to be reckoned with, with me. She only looked up at him with disbelieving eyes and parted lips, breathless and speechless. 
His heart was racing in his chest, and there was a nagging voice in his head that told him to stop. Don't do it. Don't do it. Stop while you're ahead. He licked his lips and turned his head, the waging war inside him desperately trying to keep him from opening his stupid mouth. Can I still be honest? Oh, <laughs> don't stop now. No, do stop. No, 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 just stop. Stop right now. Something inside him was saying, Stop, stop, stop. I like you. He said finally, and the pressure fell from him, and he felt as if his bones had melted like wax. A buzz crept up his spine, but he still couldn't stop himself from adding, I really like you. A pause. A beat. He'd frozen in place. Oh. Was all she could say. Zuko cringed and scratched the back of his neck. More than anything, he wanted the ocean to rise and swallow him whole. He swallowed. I'm sorry. I, I, I know you probably don't need this right now. I, I don't even know why I said that. I... Zuko, it's okay. Really. She said, a hand on his arm. I, I, I think I'm a kind of like you too, I think. He turned his head swiftly. What? I'm not sure, she told him. We're at war, and there's so much we still have to do. You're so sweet, Zuko, and I like spending time with you, and... No, I know, I know. You don't have to explain. You don't have to like me back. It's okay. But I do. I, I do like you too, I think, she said, reaching to take his hand. His wide golden eyes switched back and forth from her hand on his, and her own eyes looking up at him. His chest felt heavy, like something acidic was climbing up his throat. She continued, It's just, after everything I've just told you about Aang, I... It wouldn't be fair to consider this right now. There's just too much going on. He exhaled, almost in some strange sense of relief. I, I understand, he said, nodding. We can talk about it later. Much later. After this is all over, if you want. <sighs> That'd be great, she said quietly giving his hand a squeeze before she returned them to her person. She tucked a stray hair behind her ear and gave a nervous laugh as she tried to ignore the heat in her cheeks that felt sore from smiling too much. Katara pressed her lips together and licked them with the tip of her tongue. Zuko's jaw was clenched as he grit his teeth, no doubt internally admonishing himself for saying what he'd said. And he was, of course. But she'd also said she might like him back, so he wasn't that entirely filled with regret. 
Still, she clarified. So, we're not... We're not... Together. You get that, right? Anna. He said. Yeah, of course. As, as long as we understand each other. A mutual understanding. He agreed, nodding. That's what it is. But really, though, thanks for this, Zuko. For looking for me. You don't have to thank me. You're my best friend. No matter what happens, I like talking to you. I like talking to you, too. She said, nudging him with her elbow. She tucked the tip of her tongue between her teeth as she gave him a cheeky, teasing grin and said in her best impression, After all, your highness, I have to admit, I really find you attractive. Ugh, you don't have to make fun of me. He groaned with a sigh, throwing his head back and hating how natural it sounded from him. Puantim was going to be getting a very strongly worded letter once this war was over, he thought to himself. But surprisingly, he found himself smiling as he played along. But I mean it, she said, hilarity loud as thunder and clear as rain in her tone. Stop, I can't. <laughs> the two friends laughed into the night, into the early morning light, both in considerably lighter spirits than before. <laughs> uh, that play was so awful. But I was wrong. He amended. She raised a brow at him, and he said with a smirk and a look that was both sly and bashful at the same time. Maybe you got some things right. She blushed. Not the end. She argued, firm in her conviction. Ang will win. And you won't die horribly in a fire, yelling, Honor! Uh, Azula uses lightning too, so I might not die in a fire? He said with a shrug. But if I die, I don't mind. I just hope it's honorable. You won't. She said, punching his arm. You're not going to die. I won't allow it. Now and always, remember? I remember. I'm with you. And in the dying light of the moon and the rising sun, the pair soon rose from the dock themselves and retreated to their temporary home to rest. Their friends would note later on in the day that Katar had slept in much later than she usually did. Zuko himself had been a bit more sluggish than Aang was used to. Nobody wanted too much strain after yesterday's events. Despite the threat of looming, raging fire, despite the death and destruction of the uncaring war that they were still soldiers in, there were always days in between, like today, that just deserved to be kinder. <laughs>